And one cannot truly believe in God without believing in His Son, nor can one truly believe in Jesus without first believing in God. The two go hand in hand because of the uh, unity of God the Father and God the Son. What did Jesus say in, in verse 1? He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. And it speaks about the unity of God the Father and the unity of God the Son. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let God. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. So today we're going to look at the first 14 verses in John's Gospel, chapter 14. I titled this, this is a no-brainer, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So I titled it, The Way, the Truth, and the Life. In John 13, we learned that Jesus had just concluded the very first communion service with his disciples, where he announced that on that very night, one would betray him, All would scatter because of him, and one would deny him three times. But it was during that Passover meal that Jesus said, verse 33, looking at chapter 13, Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer, and you will seek me, as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you. Now Jesus' comment, where I am going, you cannot come prompted Peter to ask the Lord, Lord, where are you going? And what we discover in the answer, it's known by the theologians, his farewell discourse. It takes us from chapters 14 through 17. I love it that Jesus not only answered Peter's question, but questions from Thomas, Philip, Judas, not Iscariot, and the disciples as a whole. And Father, I just pray that you would open our hearts to receive from your word this morning. Let your Holy Spirit, Lord, just illuminate our understanding. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. In verses 7 through 9, we find, show us the Father. Jesus said, if you have known me, you would have also known my Father also. I threw in an extra also there. If you had known me. You would have known my father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it will be sufficient for us. And Jesus answered and said, Have I been with you so long, yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. So how can you say, 
show us the Father. Once again, more questions from the disciples, but I love it that they're asking questions. That's how we learn when we ask questions. You know, the Bible doesn't give us a lot of information about Philip himself, but here's what we know from the Gospel of John. That when Jesus first found Philip, we read it in John 1, 43, Jesus said to Philip, follow me. Philip immediately went out and he found Nathanael. He's also known as Bartholomew, uh, as one of the disciples. But he testified to Nathanael saying, John 1, 45 and 46, We have found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So Jesus said to Philip, follow me. And Philip followed the Lord and then said, I got to go tell my friend about this, Nathaniel. And he went and found Nathaniel. Now, Nathaniel doubted, but eventually he came and he would testify because of Philip's testimony. Nathaniel came to Jesus and finally would testify in John 1 49, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Again, the importance of sharing our faith with others. And I hope that you're willing to share your faith with your family, with your friends, even with strangers, that they might come to meet the Lord. When Jesus fed the 5,000, it was to Philip. Well, he said it to all of them. Where can we buy enough food to uh, feed these? Feeding of the 5,000, we know there were 5,000 men present, plus women and children. Philip ex exclaimed, John 6, 7, a year's worth of wages cannot buy enough bread to feed these people. Now today we might say, Lord, $50,000 wouldn't be sufficient to feed all of these people. And then finally, it was Philip who asked, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. According to Fox's Book of Martyrs, Philip was born in Bethsaida in Galilee, and was first called by the name Disciple. He labored diligently in Upper Asia and suffered martyrdom. I, I, sometimes I hate these words, names. He suffered martyrdom. We won't say where it is. Somewhere around Asia. And uh, he was scourged, thrown into prison, and then afterwards crucified. And he gave a date of AD 54. And so most agree that Jesus died around A.D. 33, 34, 20 years later, Philip would uh, offer himself in service to the Lord with the ultimate price of his own life. Regarding the Father, Jesus proclaimed, you know him and have seen him. And they saw God the Father because they had been with Jesus, God incarnate, he who became flesh and dwelt among us. Hebrews 1, 3 says, who in the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, holding up all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus Christ being in the brightness of God's glory, the express image of God's person. You see Jesus, you see God himself. And it reminds us of the Shekinah glory of God that was in the temple, in the tabernacle, now occupied in the body of Jesus Christ. And Jesus went on to say, I am in the Father, verses 10 and 11. 
Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak in my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sakes of the works themselves. Chapter 14 is a great discourse of the relationship of Jesus Christ and God the Father. We find Jesus coming back to that, not only in chapter 14, but also in 15, 16, and Jesus' great priestly prayer that's found in chapter 17. He continually talking about God the Father and his unity with God the Father. And also we'll discover that beginning next week in John 14, verse 15, that Jesus will begin to teach and expound upon the work of the Holy Spirit, his unity with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's unity with God the Father, but also the Holy Spirit's work in our lives as well. I, I can't encourage you enough. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at from John's Gospel, chapter 14, 15, and 16, some of the great key verses of Jesus teaching about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And these are verses that uh, I have underlined and I go to often to be reminded of. And there happens to be like these 1426, 1526, they connect to the Holy Spirit. I just, I remember that in the back of my mind. I may not remember the exact verse, but I know the location and I can go quickly look at it where the Lord speaks about the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to be looking at that over the next few weeks. But now he's teaching about faith in him is also faith in God. And one cannot truly believe in God without believing in his son, nor can one truly believe in Jesus without first believing in God. The two go hand in hand because of the uh, unity of God the Father and God the Son. What did Jesus say in, in verse one, he said, you believe in God, believe also in me. And it speaks about the unity of God the Father and the unity of God the Son. And also, Jesus goes on to argue that the very works that he did, the miracles that he performed, they testified that God had sent him. You know, as our culture drifts further away from the truth of God's word, as we continue to get bombarded with evolutionary thinking from grade school to high school, from college to universities, from all the various forms of media today, we find that belief in God is declining at an unprecedented rate in our nation. And I believe that as we go out and testify and as we witness of Jesus Christ, before we can rightly ask someone to receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their life, we need to first make sure that they believe in God. Jesus said in verse 1, You believe in God, believe also in me. Hebrews eleven six. it's right behind me on our believe, receive, grow, and go. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. We must first believe in God. Jesus would teach in verse 24 of John chapter 4, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And Jesus came as God's representative, a divine revelation of the characteristics of God. Jesus said, you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And here's another truth that we learn in John's gospel in 
in John 1.18, No one has seen God at any time, only the begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared Him. And so we have to look to Jesus in order to have that relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. To believe and to receive Jesus is equal to believing and receiving God. And finally, glorify the Father, verses 12 through 14. I'll read it for context. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father might be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. All right, we'll get to those ask anything in the name of Jesus in a moment. But first of all, verse 12, greater works. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. Greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. You know, the greatest work that Jesus accomplished was his death, burial, and resurrection from the cross where he paid the price of our sins that we might be saved. Hebrews 10.10 says, By that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Jesus Christ has paid the price once and and for all and we can look at that two different ways that once and for all that he has done the work one time for all time there's no needed repeating of it there's no necessity of jesus ever coming again to die again he's paid the price once and for all time we can also look at it this way that he has paid it once and for all for everyone who calls upon the name of the lord jesus christ all-sufficient. The word once teaches us that there's no additional offering needed other than the work of Jesus upon the cross. And the word for all reminds us that he died for everyone. Colossians 2, 13 and 14 says, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that were against you, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way. He has nailed it to the cross. The Lord has paid the price. He's nailed it to the cross. And the Bible tells us in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All you have to do is call upon Jesus. But first you have to believe that Jesus and his work upon the cross is sufficient. You have to receive the gift of salvation. There's no other way. But once you have believed, once you have received, Jesus promised greater works. That's the grow and go. Greater works that will do because he went to the cross. And up to this point, Jesus hadn't died upon the cross. We would say his greatest work is the cross. But up to this point, He hadn't died upon the cross, so it must be referring to the miraculous signs and wonders. John would tell us of seven in his gospel. But he would also write this in John 20, verses 30 and 31. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. 
But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that you may believe and have life in his name. I was thinking about the works of Jesus Christ. Greater works you will do. Well, when John the Baptist was in prison, he had a troubled heart. He actually sent a couple of his disciples to Jesus to ask Jesus, are you the coming one or should we look for another? See, sometimes even great men of faith, great women of faith find themselves in a place where they had not anticipated, like John in a prison cell facing execution, might be wondering, did I get it right? And so he sent a couple of his disciples to Jesus to ask that question, are you the one or should we look for another? And Jesus told John's disciples to go back and tell John the things that you have seen. What did they see? That the blind could see, the lame could walk, the lepers were healed, the deaf could hear, and the dead were raised again. We find that in Matthew 11, verses 4 and 5. Now here's the thing. In as little as 51 days, 120 spirit-filled believers would come out of an upper room worship service in Jerusalem and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ where nearly 3,000 people would be saved on that day. Greater works. And throughout the remainder of the book of Acts, Luke will give account of the blind receiving their sight, the lame walking, the deaf hearing, and the dead being raised back to life. The only thing that he did not include was those with leprosy being healed. We only read about that twice in the Old Testament and in the Gospels connected with Jesus Christ. We never read about those with leprosy being healed testified to in the book of Acts or in the uh, epistles. It's not that it couldn't have happened. We just don't read about that. So effective was the spread of the gospel. By the time Paul, Silas, Timothy, Luke made it to Thessalonica, those in Thessalonica would proclaim in Acts 17, 6, these are those who have turned the world upside down greater works and perhaps the greater works are not seen in the greater works than what Jesus had done while he walked on this earth but are seen in the multiplication of Jesus's followers not that they did greater works than Jesus but that through the power of the Holy Spirit the works of Jesus have been multiplied through the lives of every believer and we get to be part of that part of the greater works and then let's get to the ask anything, verses 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Recognize that this ask anything prayer followed Jesus' revelation of producing greater works. And again, he'll speak about asking because of Jesus' greater love in John chapter 15. So greater works and greater love. We can ask in greater love in John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Whatever you ask in my father's name, he may give you. 
this ask anything prayer, they're connected to Jesus' greater works and greater love. That we should go and bear fruit and that our fruit should remain. So this is not a, a blank check, a genie in the bottle. You got three wishes. Ask anything, whatever you want, a new car. It's not that kind of prayer. It is a promise from Jesus concerning the work of God's kingdom purposes through the lives of the believers who would follow him. The amazing thing about these ask anything prayers, we get to participate in godly pursuits and it becomes spiritual fruit in our lives, fruit that would remain. There's a booklet published many years ago by one of the pastors that used to be under Pastor Chuck Smith, Larry Taylor. And the booklet's called Things I Learned From My Pastor. So it's a booklet about the things that he learned from Pastor Chuck and Kay Smith watching them in ministry. And concerning this, he said, as ministers, it is not our responsibility to seek anything for ourselves. God will take care of all of that. He'll supply our financial needs. He'll meet our emotional needs. It's our responsibility to die to self and to care for others. Near the end of his life, General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, sent a message to his co-laborers that contained nothing except one word. I'll tell you the word in a moment. I was reading that from Larry's book, but I know the story also. So the story goes that it was Christmas time, and every Christmas he would send a telegram to his uh, different posts in the Salvation Army, his leaders in the Salvation Army. But telegrams had a price for every letter, and he didn't have enough money to send the words that he wanted to send, and so he had enough money to send one word. That one word was others. That was the essence of his life. Live for others, not self. Seek the good of those that God has sent you. Seek to bless, not be blessed. To love, not be loved. To care for, not be cared for. To minister to others, not to have them minister to you. You know, the greater works and the ask anything is connected to the glorification of the Father and how we glorify God the Father and Jesus Christ. And so may we boldly ask of Jesus to do greater works, works that glorify God. So we've seen today in this message, the way, the truth, and the life. One of the ways to don't be troubled, well, it's faith in the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, it's a cure for the troubled heart. Secondly, we've seen that we need to believe in Jesus and to believe and to receive Jesus, it's equal to believing and receiving God. I, I truly believe you can't have one without the other. Oh, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in God. What? That doesn't make sense. Or I believe in God, but, and a lot of people will say this, but I don't believe in Jesus. Well, the two are connected. They're one with one another. And finally, to glorify the Father. These greater works, you know, Maybe I've been guilty of not asking, Lord, for greater works. Maybe you have been as well. But may we be willing to seek the Lord to do greater works in our midst that we can participate 
that we might have fruit, fruit that remains, that the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father would be glorified through our lives. Let's go ahead and stand and we'll close in prayer. We've got our worship team coming to lead us in a song. And if you do have a prayer need, I'll be down front for the prayer needs that you may have. And Father, we pray that you would be with us today. Thank you, Lord, for this passage of scripture from John 14. And I know, Lord, in this passage that we've been guilty of having uh, troubled hearts when we shouldn't. Lord, we have been guilty of not having the right faith or belief in you when we should. And Lord, we have been guilty of not giving the glory to you and maybe even receiving the glory for ourselves when it's the glory is all due to you in our lives. Lord, help us to be a people that would seek your face, that our hearts would not be troubled, that we would have faith in you through our Savior, Jesus Christ, that you would be glorified through our lives. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. And let God